0: about the Lord's table, it's hard not to uh, think about uh, grace, amazing grace, uh, grace greater than all of our sins, and that is what we've been looking at, grace, when we think about the grace of God, do we really understand what it is? We think about it is unmerited favor, we think that it is uh, uh, this gracious gift from a holy God to His chosen people uh, to give us what? Just plug in any word from it. And uh, I I want to move into this life of grace for Christians only um, because um, I'm almost positive that we don't understand the full ramifications of what He has done for us. Okay, when you look at that outline, it's in your bulletins, you'll see there that it's for Christians only and what he does and what we do. And if you really paid attention to this series, you'll notice that what we do is really pretty much insignificant because of the amazing things that he has done. Um, We will start today. I, I had actually wanted to get this in one message. But as it dawned on me as I was rightly dividing truth, that this could have been a world record message. This could have been one of those like Paul started in the early day and then that evening the kid fell out the window and he had to go healing to get finished. And I thought uh, perhaps I shouldn't put you through that uh, much turmoil and this festive time. So I'm going to kind of lay a foundation for this tonight, today as we move into this because we'll be looking at 2 Corinthians chapter 12. But I do want to bring you back into gear with where we're at and why. Too many times we take a specific text and we want to hang on that text and you won't look at what all of that means. And so I'll bring you into speed when we get to that. Let's have a word of prayer and then we'll look at this um, amazing God we serve and amazing grace. Father, thank You for the sacrifice for our sins. Father, thank You for... Father, for showing me things that uh, I was never aware of, I was never paid attention to. Father, I pray that these precious souls would hear these words this day. Uh, Father, you amazed me in this. Father, I pray that my brothers and sisters will be amazed and that your grace would be just a little bit more understood For what you've laid before us. The redemption of our souls. To your glory and praise. Amen. We've been looking at a word actually. Over the last few weeks. The word delivered. It's a root word we get saved from. You have been saved. You're not in the process of being saved. You... When something is delivered to you, it is not in the process of being delivered to you. It is either in your possession or it's not. We've looked at a true child of God and the lack of discernment on identifying a Christian is hurting the church. But a true child of God has been delivered from error to truth. And so they should have a hunger for truth. It should be something not mandated. It should be a vacuum that they're wanting to fill up. Um, they have been delivered from sin to righteousness. I have been de- delivered from the schemes of the evil one and been placed into the kingdom of righteousness. And in that righteousness, I have right standing with God. And there is an overwhelming desire to bring honor and exaltation to he who redeemed me. But I've also been delivered from the temporal to the eternals. Um, and and it's, it's, it's like this thing. Um, what do I exalt in? What brings me my greatest satisfaction, my greatest joy? The temporals or the eternals? And that's what I wanted to look at, but I wanted to kind of bring this around because I think we missed this. And I'm going to start with Ephesians 1, verses 3 through 9. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Just as he has chosen us in him before the foundations of the world, that we would be holy and blameless before him in love, he predestined us as a, uh, predestined us to adoptions as sons through Jesus Christ to himself, according to the kind intentions of his will, to the praise and glory of his grace, which we freely, which He freely bestowed upon us in the beloved in him we have the redemption through his blood the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace which he lavished on us in all wisdom and insights he made known to us the mystery of his will according to his kind intentions which he purposed in him that there is amazing text but i want to think i want you to think about a christian if i've been delivered from into truth, I've been delivered into righteousness, I've been been delivered into the eternals, then what does it mean that I have been blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenlies? Okay? I'll put it to you this way. What are you lacking? No, no, no. Wait, 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 wait. Don't jump. Don't jump. Okay? I just want you to think about that one for a second. But it says he has lavished this in verse eight. What? As according to his riches of his what? According to the riches of his grace, he has lavished upon us. Go to chapter two, verses eight and ten. You've all know this text. By grace you have been saved. Through faith, and that not of yourself, that is gift of God. Result not as a result of works, that no one may boast. We are what? His workmanship. What does that mean? By His grace, through His faith, you are His workmanship. Okay, the, the faith that you have isn't yours. It is a gift. It is unmerited favor given to you by God. And you, it makes you what? His workmanships created in Christ Jesus. For what? Good works. Note the good works. There's a qualifier which he prepared beforehand. I want you to hang that one. I want you to hang that someplace right here where you can get a hold of it real quick because I believe that what has happened to the church today is that we have our good works that we created in Him. Do you hear what I said? We have our good works which we created in Him. Not His good works that He created beforehand. And I'll show you why here in a few minutes. Go to chapter 4, verse 7 through 13. Chapter 4, verses 7 through 13. To each of us, what? Grace according to the measure of Christ's gift. What was the measure of Christ's gift? What was the limit to His gift? There was no limit to His gift. So how much grace was there? There is no limit to His grace. Okay? In that grace, verse 11 says He gave some as apostles, some as prophets, some as evangelists, some as pastor teachers for the equipping of the saints for what? Work of service or ministry. What did He say in chapter 2? Created in His. For what? Good works that He prepared beforehand. Here it says that He gave gifts to men and He gave gifted men to the church so that we would do what? We would serve. That service would be based on what? Chapter 2. Good works that He had already designed. Okay? All of this is still in what? His grace. Chapter 5, verse 1. Be imitators of God as beloved children. Now let me ask you a question. If a person is a child of God, they will be an imitator of who? Of Christ. God. Right? Can you spot that in society today? Boy, I would think so. I would think so. We have a ministry that is his workmanship. Did you know that? Do you know that I don't care how old you are. I don't care how young you are. I don't care where you are on the societal ladder. You have a job to do. A ministry that God has given you grace. Let me ask you a question. All right, this is going to be a little different. It's going to be a kind of a working thing. God's grace. Okay, we like amazing grace and all that, right? We sing it. We know the words to it. Some of us can sing it without the hymnal, right? Was it sufficient for your salvation? Did, Did you have to bring anything to the table? Was his grace sufficient? Let me ask you this. Was His grace sufficient for your holiness? Okay, well, I'll just... What about your hope? Is His grace sufficient for your hope? Then let me ask you a question. Is it a privilege to worship the Lord? Do you know that He only has to give you grace to do that? Because you can't do that on your own. He saved me. He sanctified me. He gives me hope. He allows me to worship. And all that is encompassed in what? His grace in his workmanship. Okay. Now let me ask you a question. We're a small group this morning. But I know in this group right now that we have people in pain. Okay, here's, I delineate pain two ways. Okay, I know, I'm too simple. Well, you tell me if I'm wrong. Physical, emotional. Is there any other pain? Can you think of any other pain? I either have physical pain or emotional pain. Sometimes I can have an emotional pain it gives me physical pain. Right? But wouldn't you say that they all f- fall into that? I am a child of God. I have been chosen, predetermined to be in his workmanship unto good deeds, good works that he has planned. He has empowered me and the saints of God in unison so that we will strengthen one another for the labor that is ahead. And he has given us grace to do that. Correct? what happens when I hurt? What happens when I'm in pain? What if I'm in physical pain? What if I'm in emotional pain? What if I'm in difficulties? What if I'm uh, in a seemingly unbearable situation? Okay? Go down the gambit, please. I I don't want you to just... I I want you to understand. I, I want the physical and the emotional... Okay? Is His grace sufficient? Now, we'll be careful because intellectually, as we sit here on a Sunday morning and the preacher is preaching, we all sit there with our little Bibles folded in our laps and we've got it and I've got my little pencil out and I'm doing my sermon notes and all the rest of it and I can say... But of course, I just sang it, didn't I? Amazing grace. I sang it. Right? Through many dangers, toils, and tumults, and all them other things. Right? Amazing grace. But let me ask you a question. How many times has physical or emotional pain Stopped you from serving. How many times? How many times when I am pulling down these ideologies and the mightiness of God that imprisons souls do I stop because of emotional pain? Heartache, grief, physical pain, I'm sick, I'm physically ill, I'm this, I'm that, I'm the other. How many times have I stopped? Okay, now then. I want you to go to Second Corinthians 12. Verse 7. Okay, The Apostle Paul is coming out of a defense of his apostleship uh, in a church that he's returned to and they've said some awful things about him. Okay? And the church is really struggling. And so he sort of identifies himself and he talks about uh, some things that God has done in him. And that God has used him. Verse 7, he says, Because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations for this reason. And, And he's coming out of this where a man went to heaven. And the things he saw there, he can't repeat. Okay? And the revealing of Jesus to him on the road to Damascus. All right? And he says, And the surpassing greatness of these revelations for this reason... What happened? To keep me from exalting myself, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan. Uh, This translation says to torment me, to keep me from what? Exalting myself. Now, I want you to think about that for a second. All right. We have been given grace unto salvation. We have been given grace to serve. But we need to understand that that serving comes out of saving grace. And it should overwhelm us. It should be something that presses us to serve. Okay, now pay attention. You really need to stay with me today. Okay, because I know a whole bunch of people who quote unquote want to serve, but are they? Are they? Because do you know that even when it comes to giving, whether it's monetarily or spiritually, that it takes God's grace to do that. He deals with that in chapter 9 of this very letter. He who sows sparingly will what? Reap sparingly. But those in Macedonia gave according to the abundance of the grace they understood. Okay, what about suffering though? What about when I'm hurting? What about when I'm heartbroken? What about when I'm uh, discouraged? What about when I'm in physical pain? What about when I'm in emotional pain? Okay. Let me ask you a question. This day, this very day, what situations are you trying to get out of? Do you guys, any of you guys, and this is going to be corny, but that's the best I can come up with an illustration. You guys remember MASH? Do you remember Corporal Cleaner? Okay. He, he, I remember him sitting down one episode and trying to eat a Jeep and was literally dipping it in oil and eating it because he wanted a Section 8, right? Because he wanted, he didn't want a dishonorable discharge out of Korea. But he wanted a Section 8, that he was nuts. I mean, he, remember he dressed in women's clothes and he wore parkas and everything in the middle of the summer and weird stuff like that because he wanted out of his situation. I believe that many of us in this room this day are no different than Corporal cleaner. Do you like being in an uncomfortable situation? When you get into an uncomfortable situation, what is your first thought? Get me out of it. Do I have to eat a Jeep? (laughs) Okay. You know what's amazing about Corporal Klinger? When you see him come onto the scene, he's striving his best to get out of Korea, isn't he? Do you ever see the last one? Do you see how it ended? He met a Korean woman and stayed in Korea. How many times have you hurt? How many times have you been uncomfortable? How many times in those times of pain, sorrow, heart-wrenching pain, are you like Corporal Klinger? Get me out. Okay. Now let me ask you a question. What about ministry? Serving the saints of God. Have you ever been in ministry and been discouraged? Have you ever been in ministry and been hurt? Have you ever just... I don't have the confidence. I, I I don't have. What if they reject me? What about this one? I just don't have the time. Hmm. Have you tried to get out? Did that get you out of ministry? What reason do we use to get out of unconditional service? I mean, some of it's unbearable. I've had the midnight phone calls. I've had the one o'clock in the morning phone calls and have to go to downtown Denver or go to a hospital. I've had those. Okay, and you think, God, you're sovereign. You deal with it. What stuff, what excuses do we use to get out of the race? Which ones? Do you understand that those who are saved, delivered, okay, Those are interchangeable words, brothers and sisters. They're interchangeable. If I'm delivered, I'm saved. If I'm saved, I'm delivered. Unto good works. That the Lord has planned. That the Lord has sent you on. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? I don't care how old you are. I don't care how young you are. I don't care how many years you've walked with Christ or how many you haven't walked with Christ. God has predetermined beforehand you for work. I wonder how many are on a leave of absence. We sing Amazing Grace. We sing Grace greater than all of our sins. Where is it in our sufferings? Where is that grace in the wars of our lives? Where is that grace to deal with the child who is rebelling against the parent? Where is that grace that deals with the husband and wife who are struggling? One's wanting to go one way. One's wanting to go another way. Where is that grace that when I am dealing with a co-worker or a co-laborer, where is that grace when you pour yourself into a person and they turn and stab you? Where is it? I believe it's there. God chooses to manifest his grace. Okay? Think about it from this perspective. Sufficient to unleash his power in our lives and our ministries in a way that could never be unleashed in comfortable times. Look what he says here. Paul says, by the greatness of what was revealed to me, What God was literally showing me was so great to keep me from getting prideful, self exalting. There was a thorn in the flesh given to me, a messenger from Satan. Do you understand who gave him that? God did. The word there in the New American Standard, this translation says to torment. Okay? Uh, Some of your translations may say buffet. You know what it literally means? Smack upside the head. God had given Paul something that kept smacking him upside the head. To torment me. Why? Because God wanted Paul to experience the greater degree of God's grace. What? Yeah. God had a messenger from Satan with Paul to smack him upside the head so that he would experience a greater degree of God's grace. That's what he says. Look what he says here. He says, you know what? I like this. Concerning this, this messenger of Satan smacking me upside the head. I implored. You know what that means, right? Okay. I implored the Lord three times. I don't know if it was three times all at one shot or three times that this thing just keeps coming back. But three times I implored the Lord that this might leave me. Okay, now a lot of people tell me, well, what was it? You missed the point. If you're wondering what this thorn in the flesh was, you've completely missed this text because this thorn in the flesh was a messenger from Satan. Okay, and it was smacking Paul upside the head. And I like this. Have you ever prayed to God? Help. This is awful, right? You know what I like about this text? There's nothing wrong with saying, hey, this is awful. But what was the reason of the petition? I'm like Klinger. hey, this is awful. get me out of Korea. Is that what Paul said? Paul said, Hey, this is awful. And God said, What did God say? You know what's amazing about that? Verse 9 in your Bible, if you've got one of them really holy Bibles, that'd be a red letter Bible. It's red letter right there, doesn't it? And what does it say? My grace is sufficient even if there's a messenger from Satan slapping you upside the head. My grace is sufficient. Think about this for a second. Jesus said there was a man born of woman and there was no greater man than that man. You know who that was? Greatest man born of woman. John the Baptist. You know why? must decrease Christ must increase right this text says look most gladly is what paul said i asked the lord three times and god gave me an answer and what was god's what was paul's response to god's answer most gladly most gladly therefore i will rather boast in my weakness so that the power of Christ what may dwell in me you know what the word dwell is there be a complete ease in me the power of God now listen if I'm going to go deal with ideologies that are imprisoning people imprisoning their souls and I'm going to tear down those ideologies those lofty things against God and I'm going to do it in the mightiness of God What has to be gone? Me. And His grace is... Is it? Is it? Each of these verses in this little text here, 7 through 9... I can see God's grace with a particular purpose. And it's God's grace that Paul could call call upon Him and say, can you get rid of this? That's God's grace. Now I want you to think about this. When you think about God's grace, we think about amazing grace and grace greater than our sins. We sing those songs and we go happy, joy, joy, woo, 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 right? But I want you to think about God's grace in this manner now. It is the ability and the resources of heaven for you to do what you cannot do on your own. Chapter 1, Ephesians says, You have been blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenlies, it's been lavished. Upon you, His grace has been. And when I think about grace, it's unmerited favor. Yes, it is. You do not deserve it for anything. Okay? But do you understand that when you speak of God's grace to a child of God, you're speaking of the abilities of God, the resources of God, All that is in heaven given unto you to do what you cannot do on your own. You have no abilities whatsoever. Do you think about that? Think about that for a second. When you're dealing with someone who discourages you, when you're dealing with someone who refuses to change, when you're dealing with someone who's kicking against the goad, when you're dealing with someone, when you're dealing with yourself, when you deal with the heartaches, when you deal with physical ailments, when you deal with all that this world comes against you with, Whether it be your spouse, whether it be your children, whether it be your co-laborer, whether it be another brother or sister in Christ. Whether you deal with the fact that another church is coming in here and they're going to be here half an hour before you and you have to walk a little farther. But what if it's snowing and cold? Is His grace sufficient? Christ is sufficient. Was Christ sufficient for your salvation? Let me ask you a question. Is Christ sufficient for your service? What if the service is painful? What if the service is time consuming? What if the service is with somebody? I don't even have anything in common with that person. What if it's dealing with the nursery? What if it's dealing with changing diapers? Heaven forbid. Did you know that in Ephesians 4, you had been called into a royal priesthood? Did you know that? Did you know that it doesn't say that the pastor's called into a royal priesthood? Did you know that? Did you know that it doesn't say the evangelist is called into the royal priesthood, Sunday school director, Sunday school teacher is pulled? You know what a priest does, right? A priest takes people to God. Okay, a prophet brings God to the people. A priest brings people to God. If you're saved, guess what? Hello? This is the interactive part. Okay, you're a priest. Okay, if I was preordained into his workmanship unto works that he has decided, what is key to that work? Taking people to Christ. I'm a priest. Key to who? Is that the evangelist, the pastor, the teacher, the apostles, the prophets? Who is it? If I have these gifted men given unto the body of Christ for the work of ministry, what's ministry? What is it? Be real careful on that one, huh? I have been called into service and I have been called into service in a supernatural way to use a special gift, a spiritual gift that has been given to me and every child of God has been gifted for the work of what? Strengthening the body of Christ. Period. Period. Look at, here's one that they tell me is taboo to teach on, but I'm going to anyway. Chapter 9, verses 6 through 8. 2 Corinthians 6-8. He's having to urge the brethren there in Corinth. Okay, because he compares and contrasts them to the Macedonians. That would be Thessalonica, Berea, Philippi. Okay? I say this. He who what? Sows sparingly will what? He who sows bountifully will reap bountifully to each one must do as he's purposed in his heart, not grudgingly under compulsion for God loves a cheerful giver. See, we like to preach that we say you got to give, but give because you want to, but give a lot, but give a lot because you want to give a lot. All right. We always leave out verse eight. What does verse eight say? And God is able by what? Mm. Abound to you so that always having all sufficiency in everything, you may have an abundance for every what? Do you see the ex- the superlatives in this? Always, every time, all abundance, non sparingly, bunches. You think Paul's. You got in trouble with the English language there, ain't you, brother? No. Look at how he lays it out. God is able to make how much grace abound to you. Always having all sufficiency. In everything. Paul says, I need to make sure that you hear what I'm about to say. I want you to understand it. I want to be emphatic about what I'm giving you. You cannot give too little, is what he's saying. He says, it's impossible. It is impossible for you to give too much. You gotta get a hold of that. Why? Where's his grace at? No, where's his grace at? His grace will be measured, pressed down, and given back unto you. What he's saying here is if you give, and he's contrasting this, and I don't want you to go too far with this. I'm not into this give by faith. Okay? Let's just put a, they got credit card swipers in some churches now. You can just, in the back of the church and $25. And and I thought, uh, anyway, Uh, that ain't what he's talking about here. What he's talking about here is to the measure that you believe in the grace of God is to the effectiveness you're going to have or the lack of effectiveness. We want to sing amazing grace, but I don't believe amazing covers it. I don't have a word that covers His grace. You lay it all out. Here it all is. Here it all is. Grace and giving, we reap God's favor. Don't push too much into that because I want to show you something. Why? as i give he works through us we who have been delivered right back to your text chapter 12 verse 9 red letter he says what it's holy inspired stuff here now my grace is sufficient for you for the power is perfected in weakness Okay, Now let me share with you a little something on that. The tense of the text. Alright? The tense of the text. This is what the tense of the text is saying. This is your red letter Bible. Jesus is saying this, but He's saying it to keep on saying this. Do you understand what what I just said there? The weaker you get... The more perfect my power is. Did you get that? Understand your context. Let's be realistic by the writing of 2 Corinthians, Paul is a powerful man of God, isn't he? And yet, with all that God had revealed to him, he said to keep you from getting in a place that's dangerous for you, I'm going to send a messenger, going to slap you upside the head. But as he keeps beating you on the side of the head, you will become weaker. And as you become weaker, what happens? My manifestation becomes brighter and brighter and brighter. That's tough text. And yet it's still all dealing with what? Grace. Think about grace. When you think about grace, what do you think about? What's in it for me? No way. By God's grace, I've got a new car. By God's grace, I bought a new house. God's grace, I married this woman. By God's grace, I have these kids. God's grace, I have this education. By God's grace, what do you do when God's grace says, I'm going to send you a messenger from Satan to slap you upside the head to keep you from exalting yourself? all the things that I just listed to you, you will steal the glory from God every single time. But when you have a messenger from Satan and he's slapping you upside the head, you ain't worried about your glory, are you? Who's doing the greater work? Who's doing a greater work? Jesus is saying, my grace is sufficient and shall keep being sufficient for every single thing. It will be sufficient and it will be perfected. My grace is sufficient for you continually. I don't care if you're physically hurt. I don't care if you're emotionally hurt. I don't care if you're discouraged. I don't care if you feel like you're accomplishing absolutely nothing. I don't care if you feel like you're guilty. I don't care if you feel like you're this. My grace is sufficient. Even in the difficult times, the hard times, the hurting times. Jesus says, what I have to give to you. I will give to you on an ongoing basis. And it is enough for what you're going through any circumstance. The hurt you're in, the war you're in, whatever it is, my grace is sufficient. You'll find yourself wanting to, to get out. But Paul says this, when he puts that most gladly, therefore, in there, he says, whatever it takes, Lord Jesus, whatever it takes. Most gladly, Lord, whatever it takes. My ability, my resources are enough for you, Jesus says. Now, I want to ask you a question. Are they? Are his abilities, are his resources enough for you in any battle? What's your battle on your kids? Is his resources enough? Is his abilities enough? Okay. Now then, I'm, that is a great big huge frame that we're going to start looking at. But there's a key to this frame. Okay. And those who ain't here won't get this key next week and they'll all be running around naming it and claiming it and looking like Benny Hinn and all them weirdos. All right? Here's the key to this. Here's the key to this. On mission for Christ, His grace is sufficient. Hear what I said. On mission for Christ. I need to be very clear about this okay he spoke existence into being didn't he he just spoke and there it was out of nothing there it is okay what about his grace red letter bible my grace is sufficient he has spoke grace into being okay i'm going to tear down ideologies i am at war I am at war sometimes with myself. I am at war sometimes with my bride, my children. I am war with other Christians at times when they get these ideologies and I know that only in the mightiness of God can I tear those ideologies down. Okay? Here's the key. The mission focus. The mission focus. Okay? See, Paul said, surpassing greatness of these revelations for this reason to keep me from exalting myself a thorn in my flesh was given to me and it was bad it tormented me it buffeted me it slapped me upside the head it was bad but was Paul on mission? okay the mission that Paul was on was what? Because if I want that grace in suffering, I had better be doing what? Being on mission. There is a mission that we who have been delivered, we who have been redeemed, we who are saved have been called to. Paul didn't know how to talk about anything else. One focus. He was the apostle to the Gentiles he was a sent messenger to the Gentile Paul he Paul saw himself Paul he himself saw his life defined as being on mission for Christ period I define my being on mission for Christ now grab this I want you to get a hold of this Because any time you waver outside of this, you step out of grace into chastening. Big difference. Big difference. On mission for Christ. Paul defined his life as on mission for Christ. Everything about Paul was what? On mission for Christ. Correct? Correct? We all agree? Amen? Amen. What's the mission? That, brothers and sisters, single greatest importance to the church. Nope. Ain't it? ain't nursery duty ain't cutting the grass ain't cleaning the leaves out of the gutter nope one mission is all there is one mission and that defined the apostle Paul's life and here's what I want you to understand about this I'm going to give it to you just hang in there God doesn't owe us anything outside of his mission period doesn't owe you a thing. Inside his mission, the blessings of the heavenlies are owed you. Listen, we have to approach all the scripture we see, all the assurances of God, all the promises of God Okay, everything that you see in Scripture have to be approached in the context of the assignment that we have been given. Okay? Listen, this book is not a book of God's promises to help us survive. He never said that. This is not a book of promises to help us make it. To make my marriage rosy and my relationship with my in laws and my outlaws comfortable. And my coworkers will get along. And I have these promises. That's not in there. It's about being on mission for Him. It's about the passion for Him. Are you ready? His grace is sufficient to make disciples of all nations as I am going. No, 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 Walk. Walk. Paul's prayer over and over in the New Testament is that we would walk Worthy. The word incarnate. Where? In you. And when you're on mission, His grace is sufficient in heartache and in blessing. His grace is sufficient in good times and awful times. And I will bless you with every spiritual blessing in the heavenlies. Dr. Olver put it this way. The word is fleshed out. It is visible. It is seen. Why? I've been delivered from the lie to truth. I've been delivered from sin to righteousness. I've been delivered from the temporal to the eternal. The world has no attraction to me. Sin has no attraction to me. Right standing before God attracts me. And I don't like the world. I don't listen to the world. I put no stock into the world's plans because I love truth. And when you stand in that place, he says, my grace is sufficient. Last letter he ever wrote is trying to encourage a young pastors having a heck of a time. A church of just being a church. And in chapter 3 of Second Timothy, he says this. Stand, young Timothy, in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Why? Because his grace is sufficient for your salvation. His grace is sufficient for your sanctification. His grace is sufficient for your service. His grace is even sufficient in your suffering. But the key is being on mission. On mission. The key. Rightly dividing truth. Be diligent to show yourself a worker who need not what? Be ashamed. If I'm not rightly handling truth and I'm flippant with the word of God, know his chastening is near. And you will be in that chastening, praying for his grace. And he's saying, you're off mission. You're off mission. Get back on mission. My grace is sufficient. Look at the church today in America. And what do you see? What do you see? Who's on mission? It doesn't tell me to go out and make converts. Converts. It doesn't tell me to go out and start counseling. It tells me, as you are going, make disciples of all peoples, teaching them what I have taught you. Baptizing in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Do you understand that? What do we do? I want to go out, get you to say a prayer, baptize, and I'm not going to teach you the things He's taught me. Why? It takes time, it takes energy. It takes how do you change a person? It's just amazing grace. How sweet the sound. The saved a wretch like me. Why, I got into trouble last week. Why would you go to evangelism school? Okay, my wife, bless her. Peter says, be ready to give a reason for the hope that is within you. You know what that means? No evangelism school. I have to stand, you have to stand before Jesus Christ at some point. Do you know that? And you will have to tell him how diligently you were at handling his word. Because when you handle his word, you're handling him. And if I'm flippant with His Word, or I don't have time for His Word, or this just doesn't make sense to me in His Word, or this is too much trouble in His Word, and I can't do this in His Word, I don't have that ability in His Word, you're saying, Jesus, your grace is not sufficient for me. That's bad news. That's bad news. Is His grace sufficient? Listen, too many... have lost this, that we make disciples as we are going. If we don't remind ourselves of that, it is real easy to think of this grace as something that is sufficient for, for, us, for, for us. You know, I have God's abilities. I have God's resources. And they're given to me just to have a good time in life. I'm going to make it through this bugger. I'm going to have a blast through this thing. Why? Because I got his grace. I have his abilities and I have his resources as long as you're on mission as long as you're on mission God saves us God delivers us and in doing so you know what He sets us in His workmanship and He sets us on mission that'd be that good work thing that He designed beforehand one job while you're here do you know that that's so cool He doesn't complicate it. He got one job. What is it? Make disciples. Make disciples. You know what? Let me kind of wrap this thing up for you. Some, it's teaching. Did you know that? Some, it's teaching. It's little face-to-face teaching. I'm making disciples. Let me give to you what God has given to me. But do you understand something? Let me, let me explain to you from my perspective on this. Okay? I give. I set a banquet. I try to set the greatest feast of God's Word every chance I get the privilege to teach. But I don't do that so that you could all see. Ah, oh, did you know that it's present tense imperative so that it means it continue and continue and continue? No! Because I give it to you because you know what I want? Do you know what the passion of my soul is? Follow me. Follow me. Oh, it's blasphemous. No. Who am I following? Follow me. You know what? Every once in a while, I stumbled down in a little ditch, but if I got enough of you around, you help me back out. That's the passion. That's why I do what I do. I don't, I'm not here to say, hey, was that cool? I pronounced a new Greek verb. I give you this because I say, this is me. Come follow me. That's discipleship. Some of you get face-to-face discipleship. Okay, Some of you will only give to others who can give face-to-face discipleship. It may be done through prayer. It may be done through a life lived out in the incarnation of Jesus Christ. And you can be used as an example. It may be your very presence may encourage people. Do you know how discouraging it is to be a pastor to come on Sunday night and have guests show up and have more guests than church members? Do you know what the church says? Do you know what the church is saying when she acts that way? I'm busy. I'm busy. Do you know what you say to Jesus? Your grace isn't sufficient. You don't understand, I'm tired. You don't understand, it's cold. You don't understand, it's hot. You don't understand, it's this, it's that. You're saying his grace isn't sufficient. You can, d- listen, it may be giving to others. It may be a life... Some of the greatest people that I have exposed myself to were some of the worst teachers. Okay? To verbalize what Scripture was saying, they were awful. Okay? But you know what? Their lives shouted to me the faithfulness of the Lord Jesus Christ. Okay? Think about it. Hank and Donna Smith... Right? Hank knows the Bible inside and out. I mean, he used to drive into downtown Denver and hang verses up on his mirror and it was, he was driving and memorized Scripture and he's into this memorizing. I thought, good Lord, get a life, dude. Okay, but you know what? Hank never really took on a p- teaching position at times. He never really got that involved with it. But you know what you saw? Christ! Step by step, Day by day, year after year after year after year after year. He's still doing it to this day. Planning another church out in Rama, Colorado. And it isn't that he's this great proclaimer or this great amazing man of God. He walks the walk day in and day out. You know what he does? He makes disciples. He makes disciples. You know what? I can't memorize scripture. Sit down and just say, I'm going to take this text and memorize it. But you know what God done? He showed me through Hank Smith. He reads that thing going into work and coming out of work and into work and coming out of work until he's got it memorized. God said, if you just read my book, it's just amazing how much of it might stick. Okay? Listen. God says, I'm going to, by grace, give you gifts individually. Not only that, I'm going to give, live my life through you. Okay, and it will be done by grace. Grace is the resources of heaven. Graces are the abilities of the divine given right to you. Why? To accomplish a mission. Accomplish a mission. I like that idea. I have God's presence. I have the Holy Spirit. All these things that come with God's presence in my life, that's really good stuff. I have these gifts. Wow, that's amazing. And He gives them to me freely. Hot dog. That's grace. You're going to live your life through me? That's good stuff. But this idea of making disciples of all nations, wait a minute. Isn't that better left to the vocational minister? I'll take your Holy Spirit I'll enjoy your presence that gift thing is cool should be able to serve a little I'll give you a little time I got Sunday mornings no problem is that his grace? your grace your life live through me sign me up take advantage of that that has productivity to my life doesn't it? Let me share with you something. I'm going to close with this. God doesn't owe us anything when we reject the reason that He gave us His grace. Do you hear what I said? God doesn't owe us anything if we reject the reason that He gave us His grace. And you know what? I can spot it. I can spot it a mile away. I'll give you the text and I'll close with this. I'm not going to expound it. I'll just give you the text. Chapter 3 of the book of Ephesians, verse 20 says this, To Him who is able to do far more abundantly beyond all we could ask or think according to the power that works within us. If I see you just taking time and signing up to do this, signing up to do that, and do this and do that, anybody can do that in their own energies. That verse right there says He is able to do abundantly beyond whatever I could think or imagine. And those people are far and few between. That's grace. Grace for salvation. Grace for sanctification. Grace for serving. And grace in suffering. Key. On mission. On mission. Let's pray. Father, I give you the praise for your word, for your grace. Lord, the amazing things that you do. Lord, may we... uh, May we not take it for granted. Lord, may we understand this precious gift and how it blossoms like a flower. Father, may we understand that we've been delivered. May we understand that your grace is sufficient, period. Father, may we know and may we rest in the assurances that in our weakness, When we're really hurting, your grace is there, sufficient. Father, let us stay on mission. Father, let us not waver. Let us stay on mission. Let us stay on mission. We walk worthy to your glory and praise. Amen.